Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. So today, I'm going I'm to pick up on the second one of these decisions. I'm going to talk about the guided decision, and I'm going to talk about this word called wisdom or a word called understanding and how to gain it and how to get it. Now, I'm not going to preach, preach. I'll probably do more teaching today than I do preaching. But at the same time, I want to put something in your spirits today because these decisions are very, very important in your life. They're extremely important. And some people need to get understanding with all they're getting. They need to get some understanding in your life. And that's what's important. So today I talk to you about the guided decision. Turn to somebody and say, I want to help pastor today. God bless. You may be seated. Amen. You're awesome. Proverbs chapter 1 said, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. That's just pretty neat. Proverbs 12 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkens unto counsel is a wise person. You know, a fool is always sure of himself. But a wise man is always looking for more answers. Because a wise man is a man that learns from his mistakes and the advice of others, but a fool, not so much. Solomon prayed one time when the Lord asked him, he said, Solomon, now you're the son of David and you're going to take the throne and I want you to ask me, tell me what you want in life. And Solomon prayed a prayer and it's going to be on the screen. He said, Lord, what I want is an understanding heart. I just want a heart that understands how to get on with this thing called life. And God said back to him, I'm pleased with you, son, because you didn't ask for riches, you didn't ask for fame, but you asked for the ability to have an understanding heart and a heart full of ability to make a good decision in this thing called life. Many people that I have talked to and preached to in my life mistake education for wisdom, but our seeking of wisdom is not the same as seeking for knowledge. The pursuit of wisdom is a continual process. I've said this many times about marriage. Marriage is not a destination. Receiving Christ in your life is not a destination. It's a journey. It's a starting place. And your life is on a continual journey. We're never there till we get there. Amen. So whether you're 60 or whether you're 6 today, we're all on this journey. None of us reach a place where we know all things and have all the answers. I hate to tell you that. Your pastor don't have the answers. We have to continually walk with an open mind. So that we could continually grow in God. But God has the ability to move mountains and to create opportunities. But it's up to us to move in on those opportunities that God has created for us. God will open the door. He'll give the, the birds worms. He'll, he'll, let them, he'll let them have worms to find. But the, the, the mother's got to go find those worms and feed the babies. And so do we. We have to get up and get about the master's business. I speak today of the guided decision. A decision that requires wisdom, say wisdom, and understanding. This good book says, in all you're getting, get understanding. You need to get understanding. Some decisions, folks, require a lot of time because they're life-altering decisions. But some are not that big deal. Like when I got up this morning, uh, it didn't take me long to consider tie or no tie. You see what I chose. Or whether what coat to wear, what, what blue jacket I was going to wear today. I've got several blue ones. That's my favorite color. Because it wasn't a big deal. What suit of clothes I'm going to wear, am I going to be tucked or untucked? I tucked. 
whether I was going to wear jeans or slacks, or you ladies, whether you're going to wear a dress or pants. It's just, it's just very simple stuff. You just make decisions. Then there are some decisions that are pretty cut and dry, and it doesn't leave you a lot of options. Life and bad luck has sort of put you in a place where you just have to get up and do something to turn the tide around. Like the man who was traveling the long desert road and had a flat. So he hitches a ride with the passing motorist to a service station where he finds an old man that can fix that flat. And the question he asks is this, how much do you charge to fix a flat? And the old man looked at him and said, son, what difference does it make? I'm the only one in this area that can fix flats. Whatever I charge you is going to be what I charge you. It don't matter what my decision is or how much it charges. When you don't have a lot of options, cost is not a concern. But in life, you have to be able to determine what is important to you and you just pay the price for it. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think is the most important decision that you ever made or some of you have never made. And that's the decision to follow Jesus Christ in your life. Come on, let's clap our hands. That's the decision. It's more important than who you married. It's more important than where you go to church. It's more important than where you live. When you chose Jesus, it's the greatest choice that you ever made in your life. And I don't know, I don't know what brought you to that choice, but I'm so happy to tell you the Bible says in Matthew 13 that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man finds it, He hides it again, and then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field. Because there's nothing like it. Joshua, in the 24th chapter of his book, said to the people around him, I don't know who you're going to serve. I really don't. Whether you're going to serve the gods on the other side of the sea or the gods on the other side of the river. I don't know if you're going to serve gods in this country, but I've made my choice. I've made my decision. As for me and my house, We're going to serve the Lord. I wish somebody could just kind of stomp their foot on that and say, I am made up my mind. I have determined my path. I'm going to serve the Lord in my life. Can you clap your hands and say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. The kingdom of heaven is worth anything that you could spend to get there. When you find this treasure, you just simply sell out. So I'm going to talk about three little simple things today that you can do to map out your life on this long search for this thing called wisdom. I'm going to talk about reading. I'm going to talk about studying. I'm going to talk about the counsel of others. And I'm going to talk about serving others. That's what I'm going to talk about today. But it's very simple. But it'll feed your soul if you'll let it today. This will bless you if you'll let it. So open your heart and receive the next 20 minutes I'm going to give you. Second Timothy says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Everybody say, we must be readers. We must read. Wisdom is found in many things, folks. It really is. Through the reading of books. Through the reading of this Bible, magazines, newspapers, periodicals, you just pick up a ton of things. I was in my office upstairs last night and I found this book that I've had on my shelf for forever and I got so engrossed in it that I couldn't even study my notes last night. I was up there praying and going over my stuff and I couldn't study my notes because I found this book and it was so interesting. I I left it opened at a place I was reading, turned it upside down because I can't wait to get home and start reading it again today. 
But I heard when I was in school as a junior high kid, readers are leaders. Readers become leaders. And they really, really do. And so the little woman that, that taught that was a real pretty English teacher. And I had a crush on her when I was a junior high kid. So I went home and started engrossing myself in books because I thought it'd make me a better person. She might like me or something, you know. She's a single woman and I was a little kid. But when we're kids, we're encouraged to read. But as adults, sometimes we forget this advice and we don't read. If a child reads two books a year, we call them slow. But if an adult reads two books a year, we call it normal. The national average is less than two books a year in America. And it's sad that people actually brag that since they've left college, they have not read another book. And they're proud of it. Needless to say, they're not on the path of gaining personal wisdom. Folks, there are a few things that will affect you like time alone and a good book in your hand with a highlighter and you're highlighting stuff and you're saying, wow. In fact, I found a book last night in my shelf that I've I read before and, and, and I saw a little note stuck in it. It was from a family in this church that said, Pastor, this book took us over the top and we learned how to gain wisdom, so much wisdom in our life from this book. And they signed it and said, we hope it impacts you and it has impacted me. And I found the note still in there. But there, there are some things that you have to understand. You cannot be passive in your quest for wisdom. You have to go after it. David said, uh, Solomon said, I want wisdom. I want a heart of understanding. I want it bad. And God said, because you didn't ask for wealth and you didn't ask for power and fame, I'm going to give you that and I'm going to give you the other also. There's something beautiful about learning how to obtain wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 2, the heading of the whole chapter is the benefits of wisdom. Read it sometime. But in 2 and 2 through 4, it says, tune your ears to wisdom. Concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. Search for them as you would silver. Seek for them like you would hidden treasure. That's what he's saying about wisdom and understanding. You've got to go after it. You've got to claw your way to get it. You've got to say, Lord, I want you to give me an understanding of this word here. I had a grandfather who was illiterate. He could not read and he could not write. He would sign an X and a little X. Honestly, he signed the big X and the little X. And it wasn't because he was junior. He just wanted to be different from everybody else that couldn't write. But my, my grandmother, my grandmother Tatum, he finally said, I want to learn the Bible. Would you read me the Bible? And he wasn't one of these kind of guys that God taught him how to read. But he, she started reading the Bible to him. And my grandfather, when he died, and I was just a little boy when he died, was one of the wisest men in the book that you'll ever know in your life. But my grandmother had lost her eyesight almost because she read so much Bible to him in the, in the middle of the night. He went, Haskell, get up, read some more Bible to me. I want to hear the Bible. I want to read the Bible. He engrossed himself in the word of God and he became a wonderful, wonderful man of God. If we normally not given to read and study, you need to start today. And if you don't have time to read, you know what you need to do? You need to go buy this, this cracker barrel down here. And get you an audio book on your way to work and on your way home. Listen to that audio book instead of gossiping on the telephone or reading a negative report on Facebook. Oh, I want to preach right now. Some people that write stuff on Facebook and you read that stuff, that's the worst stuff. That'll take wisdom right out of your head. That'll put crazy in your head. You don't need that. I'm done. I'm, I'm preaching again. Put your headphones on and go. Pursue wisdom. Make better decisions. Pursue understanding. Don't read just to read, but read because you're questing for something. You're wanting something in your life. Get intentional about reading. Underline it. Seek, search, and find answers in your life. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. Search for it like you would silver. Seek after it like you would hidden treasure. There was a man that name was Roger Speary that won the 1981 Nobel Prize in, in physiological study. And, and he, he discovered that, that 
when you learn new ideas and when new concepts come to your mind that you actually grow new connectors in your brain, that your brain actually grows when new things come in. So I think it's important to know if you want more gray matter, get to studying, get to reading the Word of God, get to reading periodicals, get to studying things and read yourself into a place where God can talk to you and give you an understanding heart. Amen? The second is what I call the power of fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. I love community. I love church, a.k.a. also known as the council of others. You need other people in your life. Can I tell you, no man's an island. Can I tell you that? Nobody does this by themselves. Alex Haley said, if you ever see a turtle on the fence post, he didn't get there by himself. I love that statement. And I use it a whole lot because the turtle can't get up on that fence post. Somebody had to put him there, balance him, make sure he didn't fall, come back and check on him. And that's the way it is in our life. We can't make this by ourselves. 1 Corinthians 15 said, be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. It really does. And the Amplified Version said, don't be deceived and misled. Evil companionships, communion and associations corrupt and deprave good manners, morals, and character. Because we're people, folks, we're always changing. We really are. And because change is inevitable, we might as well guide the direction that we're going to change. If I'm going to change, let me change to the better and not change to the worse. Let me change to a future that is bright for me and not a past that I can't get over. Let me change. It's been quoted. If you'll tell me the books you're reading and the people you're running with, I can pretty much predict where you'll be in five years from now. I'm going to put this on the screen. We can change the direction of our future by choosing our companions wisely. Let me tell you something. I'm just going to throw this in. You know where I get a lot of my wisdom? From my wife. I'm done. That didn't go over good with you men, and you women didn't know how to giggle with your man sitting there beside you. All right, here we go. Now, all, now we all know how important the right peer groups are for our kids. I'm going to talk about this a little bit. You always worry about who your kids are going to run with. We understand that our kids, if they run with the wrong crowd, can possibly turn into what that crowd is. It all depends on if your kid is a leader or a follower. If he is a leader, he can lead those kids to Jesus. If he's a follower, they'll take him down a primrose path. Amen? Make kids leaders in your life. Amen? If they're running with kids that are addicted to drugs and maybe having premarital sex with, in their teenage years or using profane language or being rebellious to their parents, it's very, it's very likely that if your kid's a follower, he may take on the attributes of those children that he's following. Amen? We all have concerns for our kids' choice of companionship. Yet we ignore sometimes those very principles as adults. I want to ask a question. At what, at what age does those principles that we put on our kids cease to work in our life? At what age? 18, 21, 40? Let me read you a scripture. It's not on the screen, but I, I just, it just came to my mind last night and I just threw it in my notes. The Bible said in 2 Samuel 13, But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab. He was the son of Shemaiah who was David's brother, and Jonadab was a very subtle man. Now, here's what I want to tell you about that story. Amnon had a crush on his sister. That's sick. That's sick. And a real friend, a real counsel would say, son, you're a, you're a sick puppy. You need a psychiatrist at the city of Jerusalem in the king's palace. You need to go see the psych. You need to go see the shrink. Or you need to go lay on an altar and find God because you've got a sick problem. But instead of that, this cousin, Jonadab, told him, I know how you can get to Tamar. I know how you can, 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 fight, can trap her into having a relationship with you. Go to your room, close your door, act like you're sick. 
and let her come in and serve you. And after she's served you and you've got this fever, then you take her and do what you want to with her. Now, that's what he said. I know we're all adults, but it's a sick thing. Now, Absalom, another brother, came and killed Amnon, which caused division between David and his son Absalom for two and a half years. But here's what I want to tell you. It's amazing how that we think that children are the only ones that can be misled. We adults can be misled also when we choose the wrong companionship and the wrong friendships in our life. If you're a leader, lead those people to Jesus. If you're a follower and you see that, run away from it because you need to stay on track in this thing called living for God. Amen? Amen. It's always going to be a factor. That's the question. It's always going to be a factor in your life. I'm, I'm, in, my, I'm in my late 50s. I had a sweet lady walk in today and she said, we're about the same age. And I said, well, I didn't want, you know, you don't ask a lady how old she is. And I said, well, how old do you think I am? She said, well, I, I think you're probably about my age. And I said, okay. She said, how old are you? And I said, I told her. I'm not going to tell you, but I told her. No, I'm 66. And she said, wow, I'm 59. And I said, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I have been guest 50 when I was 27. It's so nice to have somebody guess me in my 50s. So I'm in my late 50s, folks, preaching here today, all right? All right? It's always, you hang around critical people, you're going to get critical. You hang around people of a certain political persuasion, you're going to find yourself leaning that way. You hang around people that are lazy, you won't be able to scratch a tick off your ear after a while. You'll be so lazy. You hang around people that make excuses, and you'll become an excuse maker. You really will. Somebody needs to stand up and say, I'm going to walk with wise men, Proverbs 13 and 20, and I'm going to be wise. I'm not going to be a companion of fools and be destroyed. I'm going to walk with wise men. So let me ask you, what is a true friend? What is a true friend? How many, how many believe you have true friend? How many believe you have some true friends in your life? Come on, raise your hand. All right, some of you don't have anybody. Or some of you are asleep. I don't know where you are. My old pastor, my old pastor told me one time, said, son, when you die, if you have five true friends, you've, been, you've had a rich life. So, amazing. You have a lot of acquaintances, a lot of associations, but a real friend. Stick it closer than a brother. Amen? Amen? There's nothing like a friend. Now, people have distorted views of what a true friend is. A true friend in the world's concept is one who accepts me the way I am. No, no. That drive through lady at McDonald's will accept you the way you are. But what she wants to do is sell you a double meat patty on a sesame seed bun <laughs> with special sauce. That's all she wants out of you. She could care less who you are. But a true friend is this, someone who holds me to a higher standard. Someone that expects me to do what I said I would do. That's a true friend. A true friend is a friend that makes me better. Not feel better, but better. Come on, it's time to be friends to people. I come from a, I come from a very competitive family and when I play, when, when, when I'd play dad in basketball on the, on the driveway, now dad was a great athlete. He was a great athlete. I'll never, I never would touch the athlete my dad was. He was a great athlete. When Coach Darrell Royal brags on the fact that your daddy was a great athlete because that coach played against my dad in school, he said your dad was one of the finest athletes in Western Oklahoma. Well, it just made me pop buttons, you know, when he told me that. I, in fact, I was crying one day. He told me that on the golf course. I said, Coach, don't do that to me. He said, well, I just got to tell you, dad was a great, great man. And he said he could box like nobody's business. He said he was a district champ in boxing. He won state in boxing. Daddy never told me this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, but, 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 it, it, but my dad used to, 
he was a great basketball player, and, and he would come home, and I'd say, hey, Dad, you want to play a little basketball? And I was 13, 12, 13, and he'd just wear me out. He didn't just let me win to make me feel good. My dad would slap my shots out of the driveway. <laughs> He'd say, boy, is that all you got? Come on. And, and I would try. And, and, and after a while, he'd leave. He'd say, son, come back when you do better. <laughs> and I was thinking, I can't stand that. I can't stand it. You know what it did? It drove me to be better. Amen. So when I was 14, I got this little fallaway jump shot. And I tried it. And he slapped that out of the driveway. He said, son, you're going to have to get better. You're going to have to get better. And finally one day when I was about 17 years old, I finally, I finally beat him because I had him a little tired and I finally beat him. I beat him and I said, go on out of here. Come back when you're better. (laughs) I love my daddy. I love my daddy. But he didn't just let me win because he was my daddy. He told me, I'm going to slap that out of here. I'm going to make you better in life. You're going to have a better way. Sometimes you have to lose in this thing called life. And somebody has to tell you no a few times so you'll get better in your life. Oh, I want to preach. We're living in a world that wants everybody to adapt to them because if you don't, they'll pitch a fit. They'll take their marbles and go home and they'll sue you if you don't watch it. I read a funny story the other day that happened up in Arkansas a little while back. A group of atheists started raising a ruckus over in Arkansas, over a guy giving 10% discounts to church members who brought their Sunday bulletins in. <laughs> and he called it discrimination. <laughs> discrimination. Well, go join the church, man. Get you a bulletin and go get your discount. What about a military discount? What about a senior citizen discount? I remember when I was 55, I'd go someplace, they'd say, Sir, are you a senior? And I'd say, No, I'm not. I'm not a senior. But now I say, Hey, I'm a senior. It don't bother me anymore. You understand that? I want a discount. You understand that? Things that don't agree with me are not always my enemy. Sometimes my greatest friends are those that force me to make changes in my life. If you want to be wealthy, hang around wealthy people. And close your mouth up and listen. If you want to be wiser, you need to get around people who are wiser and be real quiet and listen and might all take notes. What I've noticed is that most wise people don't talk a whole lot. If you want their wisdom, you have to draw it out of them by asking questions. And I'd like to tell you, I've got some people not not only in my pastoring world that I I receive wisdom from. My old pastor is 87 years old and I went to his birthday this year. And uh, he calls me every now and then and he'll say, son, are you still loving people? Yes, sir. You still praying? Yes, sir. Bye. He'll just hang up. That's all he wanted to know. But he's, he's putting something in me. And then there's people in this church that I go to, and I, and I know that they're wise, and I can seek wisdom because I don't have all the answers. One of the things that I'm learning is that the older I get, the more questions I have instead of answers. But you ask a person who has a history of bad decision-making, who they talk to before they make decisions, and most of the time they'll tell you nobody. This might be their response. I'm an adult and I make my own decisions because I know what's best for me. But when you take counsel from yourself and all you receive is what you know and what you have and what you are right then, you can't get any better. Proverbs 1 said, a wise man will hear and increase in learning. Finding good men and good women to help us will keep us from a whole lot of bad decisions. Learn to cultivate good relationships in your life. Come on, clap your hands for that. Amen.
Let me, let me tell you a quick story. In June of 1815, Napoleon defeated Wellington at Waterloo. Now, that's not what, what history will tell you. History will tell you that Napoleon, Napoleon got defeated and lost his whole army at Waterloo. But that's not the truth. The truth is Napoleon defeated Wellington at Waterloo. See, he was exiled to the island of Elba. When he came off that island in 1815, he went back to, he went back to his country. And, he, and his old generals had changed allegiance so they had all died on him. And he, he was having breakfast one day with his new generals. And those generals were worried about Wellington's strong position at St. John. And, and, and Napoleon sat there with all these men around him, wise men. And he scoffed at those generals and said, we have no possibility of defeat in this army. And all day long, Napoleon sent wave of infantry against Wellington's forces. And in the end, they captured Wellington at Waterloo. However, historical records show that Napoleon actually lost the battle at Waterloo. And here's why. Even though he first won, he ended up losing. And the reason he didn't hear, we didn't hear about the victory was because it was overshadowed by his loss. But he had achieved so much success, folks, in his life. He is such a powerful man that he didn't think he needed anybody around him. He didn't think he needed any voices in his life any longer. He didn't think he needed anybody to tell him anything. Let me tell you something. Some sweet old ladies can help you out in life. Some precious old men on canes can still help you out in life. They've been down the road and they know the corners to turn and how to round the corners and how to make the right and left turns just right. You need wisdom in your life. You need the counsel of other people in your life. And he sat there. And those men were saying, sir, sir, we need nails. And the reason they're asking for nails is because they had captured Wellington's army, cap- captured their cannons. And what they did, they would drive nails in those cannons, many nails, and it would stop the cannonballs from coming out. And they couldn't use them against their forces anymore. So they disabled that army. He said, sir, we're going, we're going to war without nails. He said, we don't need nails. He said, we have horses. We have swords. We have, we have ammunition. We have what it takes to go in there and fight. And they fought. And Wellington's army rose up because they realized that their cannon had not been nailed. And it had been shut down. So they finally got to their cannons, turned them back on Napoleon's army, and destroyed that army. And Napoleon was defeated because he would not listen to somebody who said, you might need a nail or two in your cannon. Sometimes in our life, we have to learn that we can't do this all by ourselves. We need wise counsel, and wisdom comes from wise counsel. Amen? And the third thing, and I hurry to a close because it is time to close. The third thing is service to others. You've got to learn to serve. Jesus made this statement, said, in this world, there are people in high places that are exercising authority. But he said, not so much with you, Mark 10. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Must be your servant. I find it amazing that the first time anybody washed feet in the New Testament, it was Jesus washing his disciples' feet. He was the Messiah, and he washed feet. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We live in a my, 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 me, 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 me world. Say amen to that whether you like it or not. We live in that kind of world. It's a tough world. But to have a guided decision, you need to read. You need to pick up your Bible and learn wisdom and get a hold of wisdom and crave it like you'd crave silver and hidden treasure. Go after it. And you need counsel with people. You need people to speak into your world. You need a word every now and then from somebody that just has an insight that maybe you don't have. That don't mean they're over you, that they're trying to lord over you. That just means they're trying to help you. And I'm not speaking of, of something large here, but we need to find a way to help people. I'm not talking about giving away a car, giving away your house. I'm talking about simple things like opening a door for somebody, like helping a crippled person across the street. 
Like letting a lady go into the room before you go into a room. Like opening the car door for a wife or, or for your children. Like being a real father. Being a dad that steps up to the plate. Being a mother that takes care of her, her babies at home. Being somebody that's very important to your children. Serving your kids. Honoring your people. There's nothing like it in all the world. It's where Jesus says, when you serve, when you serve others, you announce to them that I value who you are. And when you value somebody else, value comes back to you. I love, I love to do things for my kids and my wife and for this church. I love it. It's an amazing church. This is an amazing place. And I, I'm not an amazing pastor. I get to pastor an amazing people. But it's a joy to be up here every Sunday morning and preach the gospel to you and tell you there's somebody that loves you. It's called service. It's giving back. You've got to serve. If you're going to be, if you're going to be great in the kingdom, you've got to be a servant. Aristotle Onassis said the first step to gain wealth is by serving others. Wow. Then I want to put this on the screen. People love to help people that help. Amen. I love that. People love to help people that help. Say it with me. People, people. love to help love people that help. You get a selfish attitude, nobody wants to even come around you. You turn all the lights out in the room. But you give a get you to give a heart in your life, and everybody wants to be around you. Because there's something about people that give. It, it shows the love of Christ in your life. His name was Alfred Vanderbilt. He had a daddy named Cornelius, and the Vanderbilt family equaled wealth and and fame. In the 19th century, Cornelius, the daddy amassed a fortune with shipping and railroad industries. And Alfred, one of his sons, stood out among the other brothers and sisters. He was something special. He really, really was. He was a special youngin'. See, I'm out of practice. I threw my handkerchief and it went all the way over. Stay there. Get some wisdom. <laughs> but Alfred was the kind of guy, he was, a, he was a philanthropist. He always was helping people. He was always doing stuff. And, the, and, the, and the, all the people loved him, even though he was a rich kid. He was not a spoiled rich kid. And they loved him. He was the only child of Cornelius Vanderbilt that came in as a sales clerk in his dad's business. He didn't want a management position. All the other kids wanted management positions. He didn't want that. He said, Dad, I'll just come in on the lowest level. I want to work my way up like everybody else. I'm no better than anybody else. And when Cornelius died... He recognized that his son had a servant's heart, so he gave seven million apiece to all of his other kids and gave, gave, gave his son Albert, gave him seventy-six Alfred seventy-six million dollars. He said this because he will he will disperse this money with a servant spirit. He will bless others and not hoard it to himself. Amen. <laughs> In nineteen fifteen, a ship went down, and Alfred was on that ship. And his last act of servant spirit was tying life jackets to baskets for little babies. We have some baby doctors here in the building, and both those ladies have that same spirit for babies. But he tied life jackets on baskets for babies so those babies could be saved in that sea. He also had a life jacket on, and a lady didn't have one. He took his off and gave it to her. But the sad thing was that although Alfred owned a lot of estates that had swim pools, he had never learned to swim. And as the boat went down, Alfred's life was lost. But his story hadn't been lost because I'm preaching about him on October the 9th, 2016. 
about a rich young man that learned how to give and be a giver in his life. There's something about a servant spirit. It, it, it's got to get in all of us, whether you don't have enough to pay next week's rent or whether you, you have more than you ever need in your life. You've got to have a servant's heart. You've got to be a giver. You've got to be a giver because what you give away, you value. When God sees that you value something, he'll value you and he'll give you value in your life. That's what it's all about. My dad, my dad is my hero. My dad's my hero. He just really is. We were sharecroppers the first 10 years of our life. Then dad got on with the oil company. You've heard me tell it. But many times we would, as kids, we'd want to go by the Dairy Queen after church. Daddy, would you take us by the Dairy Queen? And I knew, we knew, we knew then. We didn't understand because daddy mom didn't talk about not having money. But we knew then that they didn't have a lot. And, and I'd say, daddy, I'd, I'd just like to have a, a twin crony. I'd like to have one of those twin cronies. There's two hot dog wieners in in a hamburger bun and they pour chili in there. Man, it is awesome. <laughs> Put a few fritos in there is awesome. He'd say, okay, boys, we'll go by. And we'd go by the Dairy Queen. And many times, when Dad was sharecropping, many times he would buy us one and he would split it. And us boys would eat half a piece. Dad, you going to eat? No, son, I'm not hungry. He was hungry. He'd worked all day. But he had a servant's heart. He cared about his kids. And on this day, I honor my dad. I know it's supposed to be Pastor Appreciation Week or whatever, but I honor the man that put this in me, the man that I am, whatever man I am. My dad showed me a servant's heart. He didn't talk a lot, but when he spoke, it was like E.F. Hutton talking. He spoke into my soul. He spoke into my spirit. And my dad's alive in me today because he had a heart that was a servant's heart. And maybe that's why I'm preaching today because I had a dad that couldn't even testify without stuttering. I had a father that poured into me a servant spirit. That's what it's all about. If you want to get wisdom, you got to serve people. You got to serve people. I didn't mean to holler, forgive me. I'm off vacation. I ought to be loose and hang, hanging out here. Brings great decision making into a servant's heart, though. It has the ability to attract the right kind of people into our lives that can help us. John said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. You're not going to do it holding it in your hand. You've got to plant something in the, in the ground and it'll, it'll spring up. And God will bless you. It's called a guided decision. It's called a decision that you get by, by just, just absorbing reading material. Just, just absorbing, absorbing it. And getting with the right counsel. And having people around you that can speak into your world and you don't think they're putting you down. But they'll tell you as a true friend, this is what you need to be in your life. And then also understand you've got to have a servant's heart. Would you stand to your feet all over the building? Clap your hands and receive the word of God today. Receive the word of God today. Receive the word of the Lord today. Come on, receive it today. Receive it today. Receive it today. I receive the word today, Lord. I receive it. 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 And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.